Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Yes, yes, yes. And welcome back to the Fresh Arsenal podcast with me, PB. And just me, PB, today. If you're if you're not a fan of myself, then it's probably best to turn off at this point. We've had some illness and otherwise engaged appointments for the normal other co-hosts, um, particularly Pat himself, um, who's been very reliable so far, but a bit like Ben White um, has tailed off in recent weeks. So it is just me today, but instead of not putting something else out for you, really want to start 2023 with commitment from this podcast and we aim to get something out every week and even if it's just me for today hopefully that won't happen most of the time I wanted to to share some thoughts because lots has happened uh, on and off the pitch since we last spoke and I thought it'd be quite interesting really just to explore some of those so it's going to be a bit of a monologue and so if you're not ready to listen at this moment to, to me talking about football then Maybe come back to it when there's absolutely nothing else to listen to. Um, but if you find this interesting, then I'd really appreciate letting me know at Ollie Price Bates on Twitter because there will be times when perhaps we can't get the guests or the other hosts on the show. Um, and it'd be useful to know if, if people would prefer us to put out something like this or just wait, wait until we get the people back. So the first thing to talk about is the Everton game. Just a second loss of the season for Arsenal in the Premier League Um, unfortunately we talked about it on the pod last week that this is a ground that Arsenal traditionally really struggle at and we had fears with Dice coming in that we may come across similar challenges similar uh, drops in performance from ourselves and I think you know in recent years Everton haven't had to work very hard to beat us Uh, I would say at least in this game they did work very hard they had that new manager bounce they had the structure they had that physical midfield they clearly had only had a few days to work on this game plan but had managed to sort of suss us out I think it's fair to say we have to we have to admit that that they nullified our, our threats out wide by putting two players on the wingers when they got the ball but sort of funneled us through those areas and then then sort of worked on the wingers to break it down and it just felt like all across the pitch we'd lost our connections it's really interesting if you just watch the game back to see the distances between our players and if you compare that to most other games this season particularly look at some of our home games against teams like Everton and, and by that I mean bottom half teams um, and, and you know even in some away games where we've done it really well like the Brentford game if you contrast that to this one just pause the game when we're in possession and, and have a look at the distances between our players. And sometimes it's it's as simple as that in that we we just didn't get our structures, we didn't get our combinations, we didn't 
put ourselves in the position to be able to dominate the ball, create the chances that we normally do. And, you know, it's hard to say why that happened. Um, obviously, the opposition tactics influence that uh, in a big way. They managed to stop what we usually do and maybe the players didn't have a way of figuring that out in the moment, in that atmosphere. And, you know, ultimately it's cost us three points and we were bailed out by Spurs on Sunday, but we'll get to that. But I think Arsenal are going to have days like this again and they can't afford to to come up with the same result. I mean, it reminded me a bit of the Leeds game away earlier this year where we were fortunate enough to come away with all three points. But I would say it's probably the only other game this season we deserve to lose. And there was very similar traits in the performance that day. You know, there was an intimidating crowd that seemed to really rile up the opposition in Leeds and, and Everton on this occasion and really impacted the way we could play our football. And with Arsenal, we really need to try and shut out that noise and continue to play as we were because I, I tweeted at half time, we just need to keep playing our way because as good as their press was and as good as their game plan was, I could see several times in that first half where their pressing was just pure intensity based sort of coming off the crowd and a couple of good passes would have would have got around that press and we could have been attacking sort of with five on four, four on three situations very quickly but we let the situation get on top of us you know it's a noisy crowd there they're big physical players pressing you and we did just abandon some of our patterns of play in this game and you know we've seen that in recent seasons in away games uh, you know the Newcastle game last year where it was a sort of unrecognisable Arsenal team and how we let that game get on top of us but this year we've been really good at still playing how we want to play in those away games and I'm sure we can we can get back to that but I think this is an important not a reality check but an important performance to analyse and show that we're not completely past putting out these performances and there's, there's going to be a lot tougher grounds and, and teams to go to. You know, we've still got to go to Newcastle, we've got to go to Liverpool, we've got to go to Man City. I mean, they haven't got much atmosphere there, right? But harder opposition and away grounds. And this is a hurdle we're going to have to tackle. I mean, Arsenal have, I think we've got 10 home games still which are going to play a huge part on whether we win this. But we are going to have to win away games as well to to get enough points for this title, most likely, unless something drastic happens in the, in the case of Manchester City, which we'll get on to. But I think this is all about focusing on us and we need to keep playing the way we want to play, but also find other solutions to, to problems we're going to come across. But I, I, I'm not convinced that this was this loss was all because we couldn't find solutions, right? I think there's still quite a lot of factors in this that point to it. it was us abandoning what we normally do so well. And yes, the opposition do things to, to stop you doing that, right? But watching the game back, particularly in that first half, there was opportunities for us uh, if we were a bit braver, a bit more confident. And there is risk... There is risk involved in, in playing around the press, um, of course, but we've done it so successfully. So many of our goals, so many of our best goals in recent years has, 
have come from us playing out from the back and playing around the press and the way we play we've got to continue to to try and do that and we we do have the technical and the ability in the team to do that so I think it's important we we have that courage that we have had in a lot of games this season you know most of the games uh, as I say it's only really Leeds and Everton away where I've seen this creep in this Arsenal side that has had a terrible away record for the last what six seven years and this season we've got the best record in the league and it's probably unrealistic to for us to to play like that in every single away game but what I'd rather probably see is us make mistakes playing our way still rather than and lose a game because of that or lose a game because of you know a a long shot or whatever to, to beat us but I don't want to see us have to abandon the way we play too much I think in this game as well we really saw how we missed Gabriel Jesus and it's probably unfair for, for us to get straight back on this as soon as we lose a game because Eddie Nketiah has come in and done magnificently. He's surpassed probably everyone apart from maybe his own expectations. You know, scored a lot of goals, but not just that. He has added a lot of other elements to his game that he's managed to to add to it in these fixtures. And in this game it felt like he, he couldn't really get into it. And and I would say even Jesus on a really bad day where he misses a couple of big chances, he's never out of a game. He He's always running tirelessly. When Arsenal aren't at their best, he'll dig in, he'll win a free kick, he'll win a loose ball, he'll create an opening, he'll break structures. And we didn't have anyone doing that in the middle of the team. Erdegaard had a really quiet game and Ketia was managed out of the game really well by Everton. And and because of that, we didn't really have a focal point in attack. We had nothing in that centre of the pitch to really take charge of the game. And it really felt like a game that Gabi Hazus would have been able to to drag us into. Or even, I think the first goal in this game was huge. I think if we, if we took one of those half chances and Ketia had one in the first half, um, Saka cleared off the line. I know they had chances as well and they deserve to win the game but first goal seems very important in in these away games and I think we need to hope our next away game against Villa is going to be manager and crowd very much up for that game Unai Emery facing Arsenal once again got the better of Arteta at Villarreal um, after playing against Arsenal so that's going to be another tough game. I think they're more of an open team, so I'd back us to find ways through and sort of score more, one more than them in that game. But it's another challenge Arsenal have to overcome and, and we need to find the, the tools to do it because Gabriel Jesus is on the recovery path, but he's not going to be back in this this lineup for at least uh, two, three more weeks, I think, before we see him in the squad. The final thing really on the game that I wanted to note is that it's interesting that when Arsenal have dropped points this season, it's been on attacking bad days, right? Because we've had quite a few defensive mistakes, whether it's been Saliba or Gabriel. Um, you know, Ramsdale's had a couple of dodgy ones, and particularly before the World Cup. But on those days, our attack has bailed us out and we've managed to come out on top and win the game. In all the games we've dropped points, in this one, we've we've drawn a blank. Uh, we drew a blank against Man City in the FA Cup exit. 
against Newcastle, drawing 0-0, not scoring that one. Uh, Manchester United away, we did score a goal, but just the one. And the Southampton game was the other game we dropped points in, that was a one-all draw. I just find it quite interesting that perhaps we've just got away with it on the days that our defenders have had unfortunate afternoons. I'm thinking, you know, the Gabriel mistake against Fulham and then he scores the late winner, makes up for it. We've had the Saliba own goal against Leicester in that home game, but then we we hit straight back. And all these moments where the keepers mess up, I mean, even Ramsdale against uh, Manchester United just a couple of weeks ago. And Arsenal hit back brilliantly. We found our attack on those days. But on the days where our attack doesn't function, that's when we're really struggling. That's when we're drawing blanks. And that's when we're dropping points. So it's going to be interesting to see what Arteta does. I think we got three games in a week. Now we've got Brentford, Manchester City and Villa. And Ketia looks tired. He's had to go from playing the last 10 minutes of games to playing 90 minutes every game. And... I think it's difficult to see him playing and performing to a high level for three lots of 90 minutes in a week. But what else do we have with Jesus injured? Is Trossard really an option through the middle? Could Martinelli be an option through the middle? Same goes for the wide players. I mean, Martinelli, since coming back from the World Cup, has really struggled to hit that really good form that we saw before the World Cup. And, you know, there's Trossard who could come in there as well. Uh, Smith Rowe is hopefully going to be back in around the squad very soon but Arsenal don't have a huge amount of options for Saka luckily for us he's continued to perform at such a high level but it's only a matter of time before he has a, a poor period of form and we can't afford for that to be in these weeks when we're playing Man City etc so it's going to be really interesting Arsenal don't have much depth on that right hand side the next in line is probably an impressive youngster from the academy, Cozy Dubry, who we saw on the bench unused against Everton. But we we might have to use these players. You know, we can't we can't afford to run Saka into the ground. So even if it's for twenty minutes on Saturday against Brentford, if we manage to get the if we manage to get a couple of goals ahead in that game, which would be brilliant, I'd take any win of any kind. But if we get into those situations, then we are going to have to start thinking about how we manage this this squad and particularly the attack to keep them fresh. Because as I said, this attack can't afford to, to score one or no goals because that's where we're seeing us drop points. We're not drawing games three or we're not losing games four three. We're dropping points when the attack's not clicking. So let's keep them fresh, hungry and competing for their places. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. So touch on Cozy Ajubi there, and I just wanted to comment on a few of the the youth prospects coming through. Cozy Ajubi himself is a sort of right-sided forward, but can play as a number nine and on the left, and even played as an attacking midfielder at times. For me, he may well be the reason we've not bought a, a backup right winger for Bukayo Saka. 
Um, you know, you, you only need to look at the highlights from his games for the under 21s and in the FA Youth Cup to see that he has a lot of similarities to Saka in, in the way he dribbles with the ball, his impressive ball retention, low centre of gravity, cutting inside from the right onto his left foot, got goals in his game. He's a penalty taker for in the Youth Cup, scored a couple of goals this week and he certainly looks like a player who can make it through this academy following the footsteps of Saka. Another youngster that impressed in the Youth Cup win in the week where we came from 2-0 down against Watford to win 4-2 was a young central midfielder called Miles Skelly. Another double barrel name coming through the Arsenal Academy. He's not 17 until September and with young central midfielders you often need to wait for them to grow physically a little bit add elements of the game, add add the mature elements of the game, their composure on the ball, etc. And I know we've just seen him at youth level and, and we're taking this from youth level, but he has all the tools to plug into this Arsenal team. Maybe not right now, but definitely in the next sort of 12 to 18 months, you can see this guy coming in. He's a player who, who carries the ball between the lines confidently, has real composure in possession and just looks way older than 16 on the pitch. Looks much more advanced, much more mature. And he's a really exciting prospect. I know we signed Jorginho in January, but there's still not a huge amount of depth in that midfield beyond that. So I'm sure Arteta won't want to use him this season, expose him to this real high-pressure situation. But it feels like Arsenal aren't creating a massive senior squad so that there is room for these youngsters to come through and it's important as well because some of these players like Nwanyeri who we saw come on against Brentford early in the season age just 15 and Miles Skelly can't sign pro contracts I believe until they're 17 so you want to show them that there's this pathway into the first team I mean look at what Iwobi, Willock, Saka, Smithrow have either given us to our First team or giving us to our transfer budget. You know, Wobie and Willock going for over 30 million each. Good players, couldn't quite make it here, but have given us 60 million in income. We've spent 50, 60 million on players and got nothing back. Hailend is a huge part of why we've been successful this season and why we can continue to be successful, whether these players integrate with our first team or they have good loans and they, they are sold or they come on the fringes of our first team and then we sell them off. We've seen the likes of Chelsea and, and Man City generate some really good income from that strategy. So definitely one to watch. There's there's people really coming through this academy. But Miles Skelly is particularly interesting. He's predominantly a central midfielder, but what's been quite interesting is, is for the youth team, he's played a few games at left-back. And that's really interesting given the way that Zinchenko plays for us and the sort of nat- unnatural fit of Tierney in that position and it's quite a hard position to fill you know to go and sign a a left back that can play sort of as a central midfielder and carry the ball between the lines be technically really good but it looks like Arsenal may well be eyeing Miles Skelly as a, a potential player who can play that role in the future we've seen Man City recently do it with Rico Lewis he sort of adapted to be a fullback more recently, but um, speaking to someone who who worked with him at Manchester City, he was 
a central midfielder when he was sort of in his early teens. So, like Arsenal may be really thinking ahead of how these players can integrate into the first team, and it would be very useful for Arsenal in the long term to have someone in the mould of Sinchenko, so that if he is out, he's got you know poor injury history. We can bring someone in who can do a very similar job. Just wanted to chat quickly as well around some former youth players who are currently out on loan, you know, still parts of Arsenal, but out on loan and, and doing really well. And, you know, I mentioned a few names earlier in terms of Awobi, Willock, etc., and the value they've given us. Another is Balogun. He is a player who we very nearly lost for nothing back in the summer of 2021. Managed to get him signed up to a new long-term contract. Hasn't really played for the first team much. Had a couple of appearances when we had lots of players out injured. He's gone out on loan to Reims in in France. He's currently the top scorer in the French division. He's still just 21. He's a player who I really like and, and I've seen a future for in this Arsenal team previously. But, you know, we have to come to terms with the fact that maybe it won't work for everyone that does really well on loan. But I would love him to come back in. I think, you know, we're very likely to be in the Champions League next year. I think three strikers, all of whom really can play wide, can play as a two up top in games, is a good position to be in as a Champions League squad. I mean, if you look at the Everton game, Jesus out injured and nothing to change up front unless we trusted Kozia Dubry, who, who predominantly is a right winger. You're not going to bring him on for Saka. You could play him as a second striker. But that would be a huge roll of the dice, right? And if we had a Balogun to bring on there, it would have been perfect. But it's really tricky. It's going to be really tricky for Arteta and the club to manage because all three of them, Jesus, Nketi and Balogun, will feel they're good enough to play every week. And they, they all will be at some level. Probably not all at the top level. But Arsenal may well have to make a decision on what they take forward. I mean, Jesus is clearly the spearhead, the world-class player in that group at the moment. And Ketty has really flourished beyond belief. I mean, before Arteta came in, there was a feeling that we might let him go for less than 10 million, maybe even for free at the end of his contracts. And Arteta has turned him now into, what, a 30 million, 40 million asset. Balogun, you know, credit to the club, found him a really good loan after he nearly went for free as well, got him signed up. Now we're looking at, again, a top scorer, one of the top scorers in Europe as well for his age, I believe. If you think about some of the some of the amounts we've seen in recent transfers, Enzo Fernandez, the Mudrick, this guy could be worth close to £100 million, really. And uh, the difficulty Arsenal have is the teams that are willing to pay that are probably in England. And you don't really want to give up a potential world-class talent to an English rival club. So it's going to be really interesting to see what Arsenal do because there's that balance. And if they keep all three, someone's dropping in value. You you don't keep Enketia and Balogun's value around that 50 million mark and a fit Jesus in the same squad. They, they won't be getting enough minutes to, to retain that value. So... There's all sorts we could do. We could loan them out again, but then maybe we question um, the benefit of doing that really at this stage. So, yeah, I mean, it's all positive. It's a positive headache for Arteta and the club to have and a really good 
successful loan spell for the club. Other players as well, which I won't go into too much detail today, but the likes of Charlie Patino doing really well in the Championship at Blackpool. He's a player who's rated incredibly high at the club. Um, but sort of unlike Miles Skelly, he's a player who, who did need to bulk out, did need to get used to that physical side of the game a bit more. And he's gone to the Championship and embraced that. I mean, he, he's clearly grown physically. We can see that from the pitches in the last 12 months. And he will be learning a lot in that division. I think if Arsenal are in the Champions League next year, it might be difficult for him to come straight into the into the team and get enough minutes. Again, you've got to balance what it will do to their value and their pro- career progression, playing every week somewhere out on loan versus being a backup player for Arsenal. We had the gift of the Europa League when we had Saka. You know, Saka never went out on loan. He had all the Europa League games. Then he worked his way into the Premier League team and that was at left back we could sort of trial him at left back because of the position we were in we were seventh eighth in the league Arsenal now are going to want to retain their Champions League status next year providing we get it this year they'll want to cement themselves as a top four team again uh, and compete in that position so we're not going to have the same luxury with these young players but we have got an incredible amount of talent and it's crucial we Sell some of these at the right time. I mean, look at Maitland-Niles, which rated really highly. I believe we rejected a £20 million offer. Now looks like he'll go for next to nothing. You know, he's been on loan at Southampton, but not really been performing there. That's a good example, really. I'm not suggesting Balogun will go the same way at all. and I hope he stays at the club and is really successful, but sometimes you do have to cash in. And I think this summer we will sell one or two players that people won't be particularly happy with. They would have projected that these players will have a huge impact on the first team and they'll want to see them. And I can understand that excitement. It's always exciting when you see particularly a player come through your academy and then go out and shine on loan and you you project that into what he could do in, in your own team. But Arsenal will have to make d- decisions. They can't all fit in this team. They're not all going to progress in a real positive way. If they're all in the same squad, there won't be the minutes there. There won't be the the forgiving nature of playing at a Reims, for example, in France that was sort of touted for relegation when you're playing Champions League high-pressure games, when you're trying to sustain a title pace and win every single week. So it's going to be really interesting to see what Arsenal do with the likes of Balogun, Patino, Norton Cuffey, another one doing really well out in the Championship on loan. He's a right-back, can play sort of right midfield as well. Got Nuno Tavares out in Marseille. You know, the club had high hopes for him when they brought him in. He's had a, a pretty good season in Marseille, playing very high up the pitch most of the time, which is where we know his qualities lie. Does that fit into this Arsenal team? Can we turn him into a winger? I'm not sure. And I don't think he can play that inverted role particularly well. So that's one where we may have to say, look, he's had a good loan spell. We've managed to increase his value. We can make a bit of money and, and move on. But every situation is going to be different. Every player is going to have different desires. I think it's just all a positive conundrum for Arsenal to have. They're going to get value out of it, whether it's in their own team or through the transfer market. So that's all I wanted to chat through today. I hope that's been interesting to you all. As I say, give me some feedback at Ollie Price Bates on Twitter or at Fresh Arsenal Pod also on Twitter. We'd love to know kind of what content you'd like to hear from us, particularly on the days where maybe we can't get everyone involved um, because we still want to 
bring out weekly content for you this year as we look to grow the podcast. We've also got the newsletter, which is a free thing to subscribe to, fresharsenal.substack.com. So head over there and subscribe if you haven't already. They always include the power rankings from the week, which we've seen some interesting shifts from this week. Gabriel, the centre-back, has really progressed up those rankings, becoming a really important player for us. He's been one of the most consistent since the World Cup and been a stalwart at the back. And Zinchenko as well. His influence has really grown. He's he's come into that top five as well now. But to see all the rankings and all the movements from this week, please go over to fresharsenal.substack.com and subscribe to that. Also, if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, please subscribe now and leave us... If you enjoyed it, a five-star review. It will really help us. We're really looking to grow this this year. And the way we can get out more content to you is if you spread the word to your Arsenal-supporting friends, but also leaving reviews on things like Apple and Spotify and Google Podcasts will allow for other Arsenal fans to discover this. And what that will ensure is on days like these, maybe instead of just listening to me, we can get in a, a guest. Maybe not Ian Wright, but you know, something that's a little bit more interesting than, than just listening to my voice. So look, thank you very much. If you made it this far of listening just to me, I, I am honoured. Like we really appreciate it. And um, hopefully we'll have a few more people on next week. We'll at least have Pat back, I'm sure. So thank you very much for listening. This has been the Fresh Arsenal podcast and we'll see you next week. Network.